Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery now available in Regina at sassbeardelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the Internet's only XCFL, CXFL <laughs> podcast, something? I don't know. Yes, if you haven't heard the news today, of course, uh, lots to talk about on this edition of the ep- of the Greencast, which we were planning to uh, record this evening regardless. I don't know what we Wednesday. were. We have, we have the receipts. We have the text to prove it. Yes, there was plans to record an episode this evening, and by some miraculous coincidence, uh, the CFL decided to drop the bombshell of the offseason, or at least seemingly yeah. the bombshell of the offseason, on this day, which we are, of course, very grateful for. That is, of course, that they are going to talk about talking about talking uh, with the XFL. So... <laughs> What this is, what this means, where this could be headed. We're going to get into all of that in a little bit, so don't you worry. That's, of course, the big conversation. Not that our opinion really matters or sways anything involved with this, but... Uh, but I feel like, I feel like Joel, for like the first time on anything big, mm-hmm. we might be first to market. Uh... I don't know about like, that. I'm not, not going to go that far. But <laughs> Well, compared, compared, to the other, compared to the other CFL podcast, maybe. Maybe. Well, I'm I'm not going to put any guarantees on that, nor does it really matter, quite frankly. But there's certainly um, plenty of different angles, lots there to get to that as well. We're also going to touch on the uh, vaccination schedule. Premier Scott Moe here in Saskatchewan sort of updated an approximate timeline of where he expects different age groups to start getting vaccinated and what that could mean for the CFL 2021 season, which despite everything that went on with the XFL today, the CFL continues to say they are planning to carry on with the 2021 season, no matter where these XFL talks go. So that'll be, that's of course, sort of the other big thing going on in the CFL right now is, well, will they play and when will they play and what will it look like and what's holding them back and all that fun stuff. Right, of course. Yeah, but before we get to all that, uh, we'd be remiss if we did not discuss uh, some sad news that occurred in the CFL circles last week. As of course, the passing of a former Argonauts offensive lineman and longtime CFL on TSN analyst Chris Schultz uh, died on Thursday, March 4th, suddenly of a heart attack at 61. Just uh, sent shockwaves across this country, especially after you know we were still kind of dealing with the passing of Walter Gretzky as well. So obviously, uh, thoughts to uh, family and friends, colleagues, everyone who knew both of these uh, fine gentlemen who were a huge part of the Canadian sports scene, obviously in very different sports. But nonetheless, um, just a completely shocking news to wake up to, quite frankly, on Thursday morning that uh, 
you never really thought was going to happen. I I can't say that I really knew Chris at all. Um, I may have met him once at a Grey Cup or two, mm-hmm. uh, especially when I was more so on the road back in the days doing that with CJME, but I, it doesn't come to mind what I did. But I will say this. I think there are a lot of times when someone passes away, a lot of people kind of say nice things to be nice. Mm-hmm. In the case of Chris Schultz, it's pretty obvious that it wasn't just because someone died. The amount of outpouring and very specific types of outpouring and specific types of storytelling told me that this was a man that was clearly very beloved by everyone who knew him. Oh, oh certainly. I, I did have a chance to meet him once at like uh, one of those TSN fan experiences they were doing at the 2011 Grey Cup. I was there with uh, Travis Curra, and I'll, I'll never forget a couple of things. One... The lineup, I remember, to they had like this sports center desk you could get your photo taken at. It was a, kind of a cool setup. They were broadcasting live from there. Um, I remember the line moving so slowly, and I'm like, well, why is this line moving so damn slowly? Like, this is just like, what's, what's going on here? What kind of a mess is this? And then as you came around the corner, and you could see Chris Schultz and hear him conversing with all the CFL fans, well, the reason the line was moving so slow was Chris wasn't just get in, photo op, done. He was cracking jokes. He was, you know, poking fun at buddies. He was he was asking your story. He was getting to know you. He was just genuinely interested in everybody that was there. And I remember, you know, you, you get a little starstruck, uh, especially this is I was out of the media at the time. So you find a way to kind of damper that, but get a little starstruck. And I'm there in my bomber get up and Kura's there in his rider get up. And Schultz just loved that. Uh, I remember the man had like, the biggest hands I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Like it was like I was a baby shaking his hand and and same as everybody else. Uh, he talked with me and Kura like, you know, we were old buddies, like we were good friends. And, you know, he, he probably spent a good, you know, 10 minutes BSing with us and brought us in for a picture. And that's just that's the kind of guy he was. And, and you read some of the stories and, and the one that I think speaks to who Chris Schultz was, was actually one shared by Jamie Nye. Mm hmm. You know, Jamie interned at TSN, and you and I have run into a handful of sports media personalities that forget what brought them there, if you will. Mm-hmm. And if you read what Jamie wrote and talked about, from day one, he was a TSN intern, and Schultz was talking football like him, like he was, you know, the producer or a big anchor or something like that. So that's just, I, I you know, just the class act. Uh, I loved him on TV. Uh, and I'm glad that I'm glad that I got a chance to meet him. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this coming Saturday, March 13th, uh, you will be able to watch the funeral if you so choose um, on YouTube. You can find the link at threedownnation.com uh, to search for the story that says funeral service for Chris Schultz to be live streamed. So you'll be able to check that out if that's something you're interested in. If you're not, um, that's fine as well. But also, um, if this is something that's kind of taken off on Twitter and online a little bit, and it's something that has become sort of the move for the whole family right now is if you would like to uh, make a donation to Pure Later Tackle Hunger in uh, Schultz's honor, the family would uh, sincerely appreciate the gesture. As Absolutely. of course, that was uh, that was a cause that Chris Schultz was very closely tied to in his time with CFL and TSN when he was on, uh, I assume the whole time, but essentially when he was also especially on television, he spearheaded that, that amazing fundraiser for uh, local food banks every year. Absolutely. So before we get into uh, the fun part of this episode, I guess we'll uh, raise one to our old friend Chris Schultz. And yes. uh, John, what's in the glass this week? 
Well, you had been uh, teasing me, Joel, with photos. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, you'd send me this sexy, sexy photo. And I'm not talking about your legs. I'm talking about Pile of Bones' new Prairie Pills. You kept telling me this is this is an outstanding Pilsner, maybe the best I've ever had, and I couldn't find it here in Saskatoon for the longest time. So as I walk into the walk-in cooler at the Sobeys Liquor Store in Stonebridge, I took a turn to my right, and I saw there, like the golden ticket in Willy Wonka, the skies opened up, you could hear the angels sing, ah, and there it was. Four delicious golden prairie pills. And Joel, you did not lead me astray, my friend. I would never lie to you about something like that. No, no, no. And you know my beer taste profile well enough that, uh, you know, you think Pilsner, especially in these parts, you think that's slew water that comes with the green can. You think, if you're from Manitoba, you think a Labatt Blue. And to a lesser, a much less offensive taste, uh, you know, Great West's pill, which is okay. But this is great. Mm-hmm. There's This is the best Pilsner I've had in my life. It's got that little bit of Pilsner bite to it without being skunky or awful, and it is tremendous. Yes, I remember, um, I think it was, the, it was the day before it was actually released, I happened to be at Pile of Bones, yes. and I was given a little sample of it straight out of the tank, and instantly I was like, oh my god. You know, I'm going what... to I'm going to drink like 11 billion of these. <laughs> I think what it reminds me of is uh, see I've never done a brewery tour outside of the Steam Whistle tour a couple times uh, in Toronto, mm-hmm. and Steam Whistle is and it's funny it triggered my memory. Steam Whistle does let you on the tour take it right out of the tank. Yeah, and it is probably the crispest freshest thing that you'll taste. Yeah, like Steam and... Whistle. Steam Whistle is one of those beers that. It, there's nothing special about it. It's good. It's fine. But when you do have it fresh at the brewery in downtown Toronto, it, it is a lot better than where you will find it anywhere else. Oh, 100%. I would never go out and buy it myself. But no. if, if you've had that, and I think a lot of people have if you've done that downtown Toronto brewery tour, mm-hmm. uh, and you're looking for that that crisp, clean, like perfect Pilsner taste, this is it. Pile of Bones has nailed it. And I don't just say that because they sponsor our podcast. No, and what's really cool about that beer specifically is it is made entirely of Saskatchewan products. Um, the hops come from JGL Farms out of Musaman, and the malt comes from Maker's Malt out of Saskatchewan Rostern, I believe, and of course everything else, water, all that. So yeah, just completely made of Prairie products, just absolutely nailed perfectly, and just, yeah, if you are into Pilsners, or even if you're not, if you're just into beer and you will like a beer for that tastes like beer, this is the one uh, that you need to get for sure. Uh, for me, I uh, pre-ordered the Pink Boots Solo Crush from Rebellion. Mm, yes, yes. You may have uh, seen that one out and about. This is the uh, the annual beer that they uh, have done, started doing for the YWCA in coordination with uh, International Women's Day. Uh, this year it was released, so a little bit of a little bit of a smaller event usually the entire lady rebels club gets together and brews the beer for that cause this year obviously for covid reasons that uh didn't quite happen its entirety i know their head brewmaster vanessa brewed the beer and i believe uh sales uh associate extraordinaire stephanie was there supervising so there was at least a couple of them there but other than that there was more of a scaled back event last year they did like the blood orange ginger beer that was really good i don't know if you ever right, happened yep. to try that one 
Um, I, I didn't, but I remember you t- saying mm-hmm. lots of good things about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this year it's part of their Solo Crush series. If you haven't seen From Rebellion, it's basically a single hop, hazyish kind of pale ale that they've been uh, releasing with different hops. This one is with what is known as the Pink Boots hops. Uh, not local hops, but still uh, pretty good nonetheless. For as hazy as it looks, it's not. It's a lot drier. It's a lot drier. It's not super juicy. It's a little bitter. So I actually quite like it. It warms up pretty nice too, if I have to say so myself. So if you're looking kind of for like a drier not as juicy, hazier kind of pale ale. If you're kind of over the juice bombs a little bit, if you like it a little bit on the drier end, this would definitely be one for you. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to have to... Uh, are they shipping that up to Saskatoon, Cass? I believe there's been shipments made across various places now, yeah. Fantastic. I will also have to go into the walk-in cooler at the Sobeys Liquor Store and, again, wait for the angels to sing. Mm-hmm. The angels were not singing today. For some people on Twitter.com, oh, as oh, such a bad place. <laughs> it was oh bad, but God. it was good. It was just a weird day. There was basically the CFL had came out today. Well, first of all, it started with the Montreal Alouettes weirdly posting a post about the CFL talking with the XFL, quoting in it that as you saw in the CFL release, and we're all like, "Huh? <laughs> what CFL release?" And then of course Wait that just se- <laughs> that sent off alarm bells everywhere. So maybe. Maybe that ended up pushing the timeline up on this news a little bit today. But regardless, yes, of course, uh, the CFL and the XFL have decided that they're going to discuss business synergy and other buzzwords that people like to use in business. Are they going to circle back to it? Are they going to have meetings to discuss the potential of having more meetings about the meeting and then do a PowerPoint on it? I assume so. Those may have already been happening because apparently there have kind of been some informal talks for a little while now. But anyway, it does seem like some kind of relationship could be coming, might not, who knows, between the CFL and the XFL. And I think it was made pretty clear, um, you can go to 3 downnationcom and find the 3 Down Nation podcast. Justin Dunk had about a 12-minute interview with Commissioner Randy Ambrosi on the subject, and... Basically, if you listen to that, you get the idea that they're just talking at this point. This is kind of just exploratory talks to see where this could or could not go. We'll get into it in a second. Of course, ultimately, CFL Twitter, many went crazy with this thinking the XFL was buying out the CFL, which with nine ownership groups, including including three local ownership groups, would probably be a logistical nightmare that I'm sure no one wants to figure out. And there will be some kind of merger, which we'll also talk about. I don't think it's beneficial for either side. But regardless, um, yeah, it just seems like they're just, and this is what I will say about this, where at, at this point, there's a lot of people saying, well, if there isn't much to talk about at this point, why, why talk about this? Why even say that's, anything? That's me. That's, that's me. That's what I'm going to say. Why even say anything with, if you don't have, if you don't know where this is going yet, why say anything at all? And I think there's some positive developments here, at least in terms of the transparency that we're talking about in terms of the CFO, which is something that hasn't always been their strong suit. Right. Because it seems like whether they announced it today or not, these talks were going to go on at some point or another. And I think it's a lot better in the league's eyes because there had been apparently, you know, we had received some messages of Three Down Nation from some random accounts that no one had ever heard of about potential mergers or something. And um, there's an article on XFL News Hub as well as their reporter, Mike Mitchell, had kind of heard the same sort of talk of potential talks between the CFL and the XFL, but he just kind of brushed it off as nothing as well. 
So it seemed like if these talks continued to progress down some kind of line, at some point or another, something was going to be leaked about this. And if all of a sudden, say two months down the road, there's, you know, Justin Dunk reporting that for the last six months, the CFL and the XFL have been talking, all of a sudden alarm bells are going to go off. Right. And instead, the CFL has decided, to their credit, even though there wasn't a lot of details today, and maybe there isn't a lot of details to talk about, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on this one, that there isn't a lot of details to talk about yet. They could be lying to our face. It's entirely possible. But I'm, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt a little bit here and give them partial credit for at least acknowledging that these talks are happening. So whatever this leads to, if it leads to anything... It doesn't seem like it's been done in some shady backroom deal that has everyone in a panic when all of a sudden the news starts to break a little bit down the road. And here's my theory. I don't think I'm with you. It's good they're getting out front of it before, you know, the dunk bomb of, of all dunk bombs is released three months from now or somebody at ESPN leaks it or something. There's, you know, there's a lot of years around now. The one thing I did notice from reading Ambrosi with many others and listening to him and our boy Justin Dunk is he was very robotic. Well, that's that's and how he is about everything. I, I know, but like even more so, it was almost like he was prepared to not say anything because he's trying to keep a secret. Now, I'm not sitting here. He's always I'm prepared not... to say nothing, though. That's that's his media style. He, yeah, he, he he often sounds like he's saying something, but says absolutely nothing at all. Yeah, he's he is good at that. But this time it was like he didn't do the news conference. He went out to separate interviews. And normally one thing he has done is cracked a little bit sometimes to a, a Danny Austin, a Justin Dunk, and, you know, kind of tips his hand oh so slightly. So... Here's I'm not going full tinfoil hat that anybody's merging. I think that's absurd. Uh, I'm with you. I don't think it's beneficial for anybody. But I think that they're deeper along in some sort of partnership than they say they are today. You know, they very well. Randy, they very well might be. Randy Ambrosi's going on and saying we're talking about baking a cake. We're not baking the cake. We're not decorating the cake. We're talking about baking a cake. I think here's my theory. I want cake. So do I. Yeah. Listen to like, <laughs> make sure you got some sweets or donuts or something to, 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 to nullify your sweet tooth. When you listen to uh, Ambrosian dunk, uh, that's for sure. Um, here's what I think is going on. I think somebody reached out to somebody for advice. Uh, the XFL, we praise the broadcast, the transparency, mm-hmm. You know, we when it was here, we both thoroughly enjoyed it. it the, was, like I, I, I believe I messaged, when I messaged friend of the show, Dan Plaster of CBC, about this today, I was like, I feel weird that, like, my two misunderstood loves are potentially going to work together. <laughs> all, all I need now is for somehow, uh, like, college football teams to get involved in this triangle, and it's just, it would just be, like, perfection for me. <laughs> You'll just have a seizure. Jenny will have to come. Jenny, Mo will be barking as you're just, like, ah, down on the floor, like, just passed out, yeah. frothing from the mouth. So... I, I think at some point there's probably a conversation like, hey, you guys have captured the demo we so desperately need. And they're like, hey, you guys have run a football league for 100 years without going bankrupt twice. Um, and I almost wonder, and I, and I really think, this is again, this is all just Fraser takes in my theory, mm-hmm. that they started realizing in that conversation that, holy shit, we got a lot of similarities. Yeah. We have a lot of things that would work well together. And I think what started, because 
I think the tip a little bit is, oh, we just kind of started talking and started getting along. So, well, if that was the case, you wouldn't keep doing it, right? Um, I akin it to our friendship. You know, at first it was just a couple Twitter DMs about, you know, stuff at practice that eventually led to texting and talking basically every single day and then doing a podcast together, right? Mm -hmm. I think at some point they realized – Hey, this is this is cool. This is this is good. We're talking about lots of good things. We're making good headway. Maybe we should start putting this stuff down. So I I think it's deeper than talking about baking a cake. To me, to use Ambrosi's terms, I think they have started baking the cake. They've at least rounded up the ingredients. Exactly. They're they're deciding whether it's going to be chocolate or vanilla or carrot or whatever. They are they're said okay we're gonna bake this cake let's just figure it out because we have a lot in common and i think you know when you look at logistics and to me looking at the logistics of a couple of things one they're going to be competing for the same player pool hmm. you're competing there's nowhere else for guys who are maybe nfl who are nfl caliber but maybe undersized or maybe a step too slow or maybe just got passed over right hmm there's the whole market is going to be your two leagues. So why fight each other? And I'm not saying it's in a cruel colluding drive salaries down kind of way, but you know, find a way to work together on players because you're essentially recruiting the same player and nobody gives them credit for it. But look at every spring football league that's tried to start. The CFL has basically been a part, not publicly of killing them all. You know, if these leagues could have offered something better than what the CFL offers. The CFL may be one, been the one taking the lumps rather than the USFL, the, the XFL 1.0, XFL 2.0, as we move into XFL 3.0. So I think it's good vision that the owners of the XFL went, okay, these guys kill us. Let's find a way to work together. And I don't think people in CFL circles give the CFL enough credit for that. Yeah, like, like, I, like I, people, I think there's some people out there wondering, well, what does the XFL get out of this? And I think there's a certain, and if you talk in football circles, as much as there are people in this country that love to shit all over the CFL, if you talk to people in football circles, even in the United States, there is respect for the Canadian Football League and oh, what it does and what it's been able to do. So as even though The Rock played college football and he played in the CFL, well, he went to a training camp in the CFL and he has a football background, he doesn't have experience running a football league. I right. don't know the backgrounds of the other guys quite, the other the other rest of the group quite so much, but I assume they haven't run a football league because there hasn't been many of them. So. Oh. The fact remains that, yes, there are things that the XFL can learn from the CFL simply just to exist long term, right. which seems weird. But that's like goal number one now of any of these leagues that should be popping up in the, in the U.S. of, well, we should number one thing we need to do is exist for a while for a change, which right. is something that they can learn to do from the CFL. So I think there is something there where people need to calm down a little bit and bring in this now is the idea of a potential merger or a buyout right. or something one way or the other. And I don't see this as a beneficial move for anybody. I think for the no. CFL, it's pretty obvious that the XFL provides some opportunities to learn some things, you know, marketing business. These guys obviously have business acumen and all that. And there's a lot of different things we're going to talk about in a minute of what the CFL can learn from this. But I don't think, you know, forming an American division within, you know, some kind of umbrella company of these two leagues that exist 
under basically 10 ownership groups. I, I don't see it working long-term for the CFL. We've tried to play games sort of under the same umbrella in the United States, and unless you pick very specific markets, I don't think it's going to work. Right. Um, and from an XFL perspective, there's no real benefit to them, and this is, I think, where people were worried is because the XFL, obviously, their owners have a lot of money, and you would think they would come in and they're maybe trying to squash competition or do whatever they're trying to do. I... I don't think there's really a benefit to them essentially merging with or trying to buy out the CFL as much as some people may want that. There are some people out there who think that, but just because ultimately what in the United States, especially when you're talking about professional sports, and it's obviously always on very different scales, the ultimate goal now is not sell thousands of tickets. It's not do all this, you know, sponsorship deals. The holy grail of sports, especially in the United States right now, and it's picking up again thanks to add-on streaming rights, is the television deal. We've seen it recently. I mean, the NFL is the master of this, and no one's going to be the NFL. They They just got CBS and Fox to double their broadcast payments with the same number of games. They're keeping their they're going from one billion a year to two billion a year to continue their Sunday afternoon packages. Yep. Um NBC is re upped for a good chunk of money and so has ABC to add in the Super Bowl. They pay more of everyone, but everyone's in that two billion dollar a year range. And now right. even there's word that the NHL the NHL, which has long lagged behind the other leagues when it comes to T V money in the United States, is now going to get double what they were previously getting just from NBC just from ESPN, and they are still said to be having another television partner coming. So the NHL's money is suddenly about to explode as well. So ultimately, and this was the goal of XFL 2.0, it was blatantly obvious, they got on TV to try to basically prove the, you know, do a proof of concept and eventually land some degree of a television money. I don't know what sort of their high-end expectation of of was is if this really took off what could we get in terms of tv money is it 100 million a year or something i don't know what the number is whatever it is that's what they're going for and you would have to assume especially in a post-covid world where we don't know what fan attendance is going to look like the xfl attendance outside of a couple of places was never super strong to begin with so their goal should is still probably going to be to land that tv contract and as much as we love the cfl up here and you see it in every other sport, Canadian teams on American television do not draw ratings and will not make money for networks. So no, no, they don't. Not at all. There is no benefit whatsoever to the XFL merging in some official capacity with the CFL to bring their teams under the same umbrella and force games between the Red Blacks and the Riders on American television. There's just, there's just no point. Or even the Red Blacks playing, you know, the Roughnecks, isn't going to draw as well as two American teams playing so there's just no point to it. No, and, and and you're absolutely right. And that's that's what it's funny. I'm I'm usually the king of bad takes. Hmm. I wanted to come on here and, and and try to make the argument that it could happen, and I'm trying to play devil's advocate, but god damn it, gas, you just you thought it up with good. I can't like I haven't told you before, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll come over the top and say this is a great idea and just stir the pot. I'm like, huh. That looks way too much sense to ever happen. So mm-hmm. um, I'm with you. you. You won't see it happening. Uh, this is about both leagues trying to figure out. You you touched on it. It's the new revenue streams in the post-COVID world. Yeah. And, and as much as 
you know, again, not to hark on some CFL fans too much, they hold the CFL in high regard, and there's a lot of them, I think, there's maybe a bit of a wake-up call in here as well in terms of what the XFL was, and I know a lot of people like to make fun of their business models in the past and how they failed. Um, you know, still ultimately in the grand scheme of the football world, when we're just talking purely from a business perspective, compared to, you know, the NFL is the leader, and then you kind of have the CFL and the XFL in that same range, and this has to do with player, you know, player pools, coaching pools, money pools that are available to them, that whole thing. So the idea that they work together isn't the most outlandish idea because if they suddenly just go start going to war against each other and trying to outbid and try to do this or that, no one's probably going to win. And then nobody comes out ahead. And then what are you left with? Nothing. Well, and I think the unique opportunity is finally here Mm -hmm. for year round professional football. And I think that would be a, uh, you know, something that would work for both leagues that would work for the players, especially, but you know, the XFL season was they always intended to be a spring league, which would be, you know, out of the way by the time you get into the CFL season. And then you have the NFL come the fall. Right. So I I think if they keep that agreement, I think that should be part of anything going forward saying, let's not run concurrent to each other. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be huge, you know, cross promote, but not, not let's not run concurrent. And, you know, me having a lacrosse background. What I, you know, what a lot of guys do, they play in the NLL, they play in the, you know, basically the NLL is a winter season into spring. Then they go play in the summer, they go play pro outdoor, they go play, you know, senior men's where they (laughs) don't get paid, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, So guys have an opportunity to play year round. Now, this isn't me saying that you're going to see Bo Levi Mitchell playing for, you know, the Dallas Extreme while also playing for the Calgary Stampeders. Dallas Renegades, but yeah. Right. Sorry. I couldn't remember <laughs> CFL. I knew you. I knew you. <laughs> um, I, but what I do see is an opportunity here for that guy that makes camp in the CFL. Has a really good rookie season, but only makes a 60 grand Canadian. Well, dude's got bills to pay. I think some sort of player agreement that, you know, if you're in your first X years, you can you have the option to go play in this in the XFL, right? Mm-hmm. What's the ultimate goal of these guys is to get to the NFL and giving them a pathway where, hey, you make you make you make a splash in one league, you can go play in the other league and try to build your brand and get more tape and just decide what you want to do. I think that'd be beneficial for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like yep. And, and and two, and there again comes the cross promotion. Like you get a guy. Oh God, I'm drawing blanks. It's been so long since we saw CFL football. <laughs> like I really am, but like I'm trying to think of guys that like have a really good like, especially American players come up, boom, great couple years. They don't have enough film. They can't get the crack in the NFL. Well, at least that guy should have the option to you know make sixty grand Canadian and then forty grand American playing the sport he loves is he is it going to be hard on the body absolutely i am not denying that for a second does it mean the player shouldn't have a choice for something like that i i think they absolutely should and and let's face it thinking of it today as well one one part where you know there's almost universal hate is for cfl officials mm-hmm. well now if there's a partnership there maybe now these guys can go full-time 
refing, you know, you go from refing 18 games a year to 28 or 30, whatever it is, maybe again, these guys can start making a living, you know, with football. I think that's great for everybody. If you come up with this formal partnership, uh, you're right. I think it's pure conspiracy theory and, Everybody's saying, oh, this is the death of the three-down game. It's going to die. Fuck off. Give your head a shake. Like, it's not. It's fine. We have a great product. They've been a football league. They just survived COVID. There's one other football league in the world that survived COVID. The NFL, and as you said, they just came out of it with $2 billion more from everybody. So... Obviously, as much as we give them shit, because they do a lot of things wrong, mm-hmm. they know what they're doing on the football upside, how to keep a game and a league alive. And people, especially in this own country, do not give them enough credit for that. And I I, I don't and, – and you know me. I'm the first one to rip on the league when the league does something stupid because the league, again, does a lot of stupid shit. It basically costs you interviews with the commissioner on your old podcast. (laughs) (laughs) What can I say? Uh, That also commissioner was scared of, you know, that old commissioner was also scared of everybody. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and, and that in fairness, they wanted questions in advance. And I said, you don't get questions in advance. So I even said, you can talk topics. I don't prepare questions. I don't, I haven't prepared a question since day one of my broadcasting career. Now, again, part of that is just sitting in scrums where I could just, you know, depend on you asking the questions, but that's a different thing. Well, it's funny that you bring up things like officiating because if you you also head to 3downnation.com, John Hodge wrote up a good piece where he spoke with Bombers president, Wade Miller, and it's a little more enlightening than what we got from the commissioner. There's a you know a right. decent amount of information there. And the one quote that stands out, he says, quote, and I quote, right now it's an exchange of ideas about the game, marketing, officiating, and our business. We just need to wait and see. I think what today is about is just being transparent with their fans and let them know that we're having these discussions. So it's, it's funny because I don't think a lot of people have thought about it from an officiating perspective. And that's one that makes sense where these leagues can work together to make their officiating better as well, which is always important. And, you know, in a game that's always getting faster and more difficult to officiate, if these leagues can work together in some way there. Now, I think ultimately for the CFL, you know, there's, we've talked about, you know, the XFL and how they can benefit from just learning how to exist by working with the CFL. And I think there's, you know, sort of boring stuff that works for everyone on another level here. And it's, you know, I want to give proper credit here. You know, the tweets come from Danny Austin of Post Media, where, you know, he basically talks about you know, just business in, you know, in our time in 2021. Where yeah. He says, you know, basically everything in business now comes down to customer data. And, you know, it's not a very interesting thing to talk about, but, you know, they, they can understand, you know, they can start to learn things about each other's fan bases, about each other's customers, you know, so the CFL can provide data on retaining audience and, you know, the XFL, which they haven't been able to do. The XFL builds audience from scratch and adding new fans. And that's the way the CFL can learn how to new fans. So there's this boring stuff behind the scenes that they can certainly learn about that no one's probably going to pick up on. And you would never really, you would never notice. Right. So and I think that, and I think that's where this can go for the CFL is sort of that kind of thing. And this, to me, we've kind of harped on the CFL for a while about their need to evolve as a business. And I think this is an opportunity and the commissioner and whoever else is behind this deserves credit for 
opening these discussions and having these discussions with another entity that is kind of similar to them in some ways to see how they can evolve their business. And for me, ultimately, selfishly, if at the end of the day, from a business perspective, this moves the CFL off, you know, sort of being run by football ops for the last 20 years or so, or maybe right, through yes. its entire existence, and is, learned, and is run more by business people who see things from a fan angle and focus on things like entertainment and gambling and so on and so forth, that would be a really good thing for this league. And, you know, side note, that would also probably force the CFL and its teams and its coaches to be a little more forthright when it comes to things like depth charts and injuries and all that kind of stuff that I think most people would enjoy being able to know that kind of information, especially if, say, through these conversations, a league really learns to take on gambling. And if there's some kind of co-agreement where each side kind of works together to help each other in that regard, it would be beneficial of the league to make sure that the proper information is out there. So even sort of Americans who don't really follow the CFL all of a sudden have a pretty good handle on how to gamble on it. Right. Because people will gamble on anything. Because, again, more proof that the Fraser curse is real. Mm-hmm. I quickly lost $25 gambling on the Briar. <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah, yeah. and there's another thing too, Joel, that we are all forgetting. Hmm. And it's funny, I've got I've got Sports Center on on mute here as as you and I are, are recording this, and we've gone uh, we've gone a long a long way to this podcast without just thinking about we've talked about the partnerships and everything and, and growing the brand. Well, part of the brand of the XFL, and it's funny they keep going from showing Randy Ambrosi, who I can almost certainly guarantee you, uh, in his Zoom meeting here with uh, you know Rod Smith of the CFL on TSN, you know he's not wearing dress pants. You know that man is a dress shirt and shorts kind of guy. I guarantee you. And I'll give him credit um, for that. But they keep shooting and cutting to the Rock. Mm-hmm. The XFL, even if just the star power alone, that hey. Can we borrow the rock every third weekend to grow the game? Like that just seems like 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 imagine now close your eyes, Joel. Mm-hmm. You walk into New Mosaic. The lights go out. And you hear a Can you smell a what the rock is cooking? That'd be rad. Yeah, and I—I I mean, there's no, there's no doubting his his you know his reach and his p- business potential because of that. So certainly, if The Rock is suddenly mentioning the CFL every once in a while, that's good for business. There's no question about that. No love for my Rock. No love for the smell of like. Thought it was pretty good. I don't think he's ever done it that long though. That's fair. I kind of gave myself uh, a head buzz from the oxygen I lost there, so. Got to give me a minute to recover here. I'll be fine in a minute. Okay. Okay, I'm good now. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So what we, where this is going and what this means, we don't really know just quite yet. It's basically all speculation. Um, we assume but it's, it's, fun. It's, fun. it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. And it very well could lead to nothing. These two sides could eventually agree that nothing's going to come of this and people got angry over nothing. But regardless... It seems like something is probably going to come of this. What is interesting, though, is Randy Ambrosi has said that no matter what this does, because the XFL has already said their plans for the 2022 season are currently being paused, which is kind of what I think has caused more of the, you know, the uncomfortableness about what this might mean. I think 
they need to have a better understanding of where this is going to go before they figure out their business model entirely and what football games will look like there based on where this goes. For the CFL, if you know they can kind of move, they're a little more flexible because you know they have the model, they have the way they do things, and it'll just be about making some changes to make that fit into whatever comes of this. But regardless of whatever comes of this, it sounds like the earliest it could happen is 2022. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about, like, I, I don't think we're, none of us are in favor of mergers or anything like that. But I think some kind of like champion versus champion or the odd, you know, games here or there, kind of exhibition showcases, fine. That's cool. Um, but regardless, so if that's kind of what needs to be built in the XFL schedule, that's fine. But what's eventually going to happen is regardless of where these lead, the CFL is still planning to play football this coming summer slash fall. Yes. We just don't know what it's going to look like, when it's going to look like, where it's going to start. All that kind of stuff is still up in the air as, of course, COVID-19 is still a thing. And what's been interesting, though, is there has been sort of some positive developments on that front over the last couple of weeks. Not that, not that anything should be taken for granted at this point, not that we're heading towards any kind of certainty, but they are servings of hope that have been offered up. And that was last week, um, officials in Manitoba said that they expect basically everyone to be vaccinated by the Bombers home opener, and more or less, um, Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe backed that up in Saskatchewan as well, saying he expects first shots to start going into the arms of everyone by sometime in June. There's exact timelines for, you know, I think April 5th is we're going to start in their 60s, people in their 60s, and you go every two weeks from there for every 10 years, which brings you down to people in their 30s like us in late May. And then you get into everyone 19 plus, they expect by June 14th. So that's kind of the range we're looking at. And around that time is when the CFL season is supposed to start. What a... What a happy coincidence for the CFL all of a sudden. Well, and as much as we've ripped the league for not having a plan past, oh God, I hope they can get a vaccine real quick. And I'm glad they did because science rules as the old Bill Nye show would go. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think now you mentioned Manitoba, you, you mentioned here in Saskatchewan, Alberta doesn't give a shit, so they'll rubber stamp anything. Pretty much, yeah. Um, and BC said the same thing. BC said, the said, hey, we're looking at a late May, early June timeline to get things going. So now all of a sudden, you have all of your Prairie teams with a realistic possibility to have maybe not full capacity, but, you know... 10 20 thousand fans in a game so and even i i love <laughs> i love the jokes that uh, you saw on twitter a little bit this week going around that even if you just let people that have been vaccinated into rider games i still think you'd see twenty thousand there you'd see healthcare workers you'd see people over the age of 60 that you know are going to get done and i i, I think and, and i mean in, in saskatchewan that may be motivation for some people to actually go get it well, and, that, and that's the dumb thing, and that's yeah. the, that's that's the dumb but but yet effective thing. And I think one thing, you know, if, if you look at how the goalposts have moved on this thing, you know, the past year, really, mm-hmm. you know, we've gone from our government saying, you know, federally and provincially, okay, Christmas twenty twenty one, and then it came out and Trudeau at Hall said, okay, September twenty twenty one, and now they've said July. 2021 which has become june which has become may and the thing i found interesting was again 
Mo saying that we're going to start moving into the general populace here. You can start getting, you know, your shots in a couple weeks. All of a sudden, hearing on the same news sources, yeah, if you're above 70 from Saskatchewan, we're giving you a number to call. Mm-hmm. Starting well, to I, I mean, I don't need to get We don't need to get into all the, you know, sort of fumbling and bumbling and gong show that was to get all that done. But anyway, I mean, that, I, exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm talking. I'm just looking yeah. at the, the happiness of it. because mm-hmm. That would be a whole other podcast of me absolutely teeing off and by the end of it i'd probably be running for the ndp in saskatoon and quitting my job so um i like what i do and i don't want to be in politics i swear too much (laughs) which is why i'm great for the auto business but i i think the cfl has been saved uh by the government and and again tying it briefly back in the xfl partnership they shouldn't have to be in a position where that's a thing again so yeah I honestly think, you know, you're going to be able to see a large amount of fans of these games. Like you look it's at, possible, yeah. at some point, maybe not, maybe not week one. There might be a little bit of hesitancy to either start empty and slowly work up to it. I could see that happening, but yeah. Or I honestly think the the, the timelines that all of these provinces have put out. I don't think it's unreasonable because if you actually read about a year ago. Ticketmaster and StubHub and all these companies were looking at technology to basically say, okay, you have to prove you had your vaccine before you can buy tickets on our site. Mm-hmm. Like that technology apparently exists now. So I don't think it's a bad idea to simply say, if you're vaccinated, you can come. Which I think organically would start, le- would A, get rid of the risk, a huge degree of risk. And B, you could start, you know, letting people in. Because if you're mm-hmm. telling me that, and and I know myself, the way I feel, I, A, I love live sports, and I love going out and drinking beers. Like, I'm, like, now that there's finally light at the end of the tunnel, I think I've just, I had shut off that part of my brain that, okay, this isn't going to happen. But, like, <laughs> and I've already texted you a couple times about this. Mm-hmm. Like, the day you and I are both vaccinated. I am coming down. We are hitting up every brewery in in, in wow. Regina, and if and if we can go to a Riders game, I don't care if I got to sit by myself while you're up in the press box and you got to drive my drunk ass home. Um, I cannot wait. So, I think, as you said, I think it'd be a brilliant move by the teams to simply say, "Listen, you got your shot. You can come." Mm-hmm. Well, and, that's, and, it, and it's, it's interesting that I think, in a way, the science is kind of help the CFL like I think they got they got a, they got really lucky with this idea and it, it's still a bit of a risk but it seems to be a fairly calculated risk of deciding to that we can delay the second shot for these vaccines that require a second shot for up right. to four months right and if we in the name of getting the first shot into every human into every person humanly possible quicker because while it doesn't you know give you the full effect of truly, you know, preventing, you know, from you from catching COVID at its highest effective level, it has shown, it's basically shown 100% or close to it effectiveness in reducing hospitalization and death. So if you are going to get it, it's going to be very mild. So at the very, at the very least, at the very least, we'll be able to make sure that there isn't stress on hospitals if this thing continues to go around for a little bit while we get everyone the second shot. Well, and, and that's it. You're, you're going from, you know, overworked healthcare staff to, oh, I have a really nasty flu or cold for a couple of days, right? Which, 
again, is the, you know, and that's why I liked what Saskatchewan is doing and getting people by age. So I think that was a godsend for the CFL. I don't know if there's been any news back in our home province. And, you know, <laughs> you said it best. And I am directly stealing your line from before we recorded this. But if you look at the Argonauts, if any team can survive with only like, and and again, as you said, and as I will also say, not being a dick here, but no. if there's any team that can survive with 8,000 people in the barn, it's the Toronto Argonauts. Yeah, and the Argos could probably play in front of no one. And they would survive and they would be fine just because of how strong MLSC is and how you know relatively low ticket sales are for that team to begin with and i don't think mlsc would be all that mad to be able to write off some argo losses elsewhere right and and you're certainly right so and i mean even if here's here's my bold prediction that uh you know i'm so bad with takes lately i almost don't want to say it um (laughs) i don't want to phrase or curse the covid vaccine uh i could i could honestly see neutral site games becoming a thing right like if you could have like hamilton and and montreal if they had to play a a game in regina because you know the vaccine rollouts looks like just strictly Mm -hmm. based on sheer number of people that you know i was texting with my brother-in-law in calgary yesterday you know saying hey you know things are looking optimistic for your wedding in october because you know they're telling us that uh you know, we should all be vaccinated by June. He goes, yeah, that's because your province is the size of Calgary. So, you know, with things looking promising out here, maybe you see some neutral site games. Maybe. At a, I, I, or at the very least, I think you could run a system where maybe, you know, the Western, you may have to jiggle the schedule a little bit. And they, you know, they've talked about this would be a flexibility that they built into it and it should work out. And the CFL schedule is very regionalized this year to begin with. There isn't as much West-East crossover as there has been in other years. Right. So you could, in theory, at least to start the year, you could probably do, okay, out West teams are, you know, doing what they do. You you know, the Western teams are playing each other for the first half of the season or the first few weeks of the season or whatever. Travel around, do what you need to do, play your games. Meanwhile, say in... Ottawa, because Ottawa, for the most part, has had kind of a decent hold on COVID compared to the rest of Ontario at times. Right. We're going to bubble up the East because there's four teams. That's two games a week. Boom. We're just going to bubble up for the next few weeks, and they can make that work in the East. Right. And and at the end of the day, I don't think I felt this optimistic about my chances of being able to eat a two-foot hot dog, get absolutely blitzed on shitty beer and probably puke it doesn't have to be shitty beer though oh right mosaic has good beer okay okay it might not be available for the whole game because it probably always sells out but it is available well and and you've seen the speed at which i drink i might sell it out myself um but yes my optimism level for drinking good beer followed by shitty beer eating a two-foot-long hot dog and probably vomiting in your upstairs toilet has never felt better Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.